I'm your host, Dalton Thieneman. Hope you all enjoyed the China Open this past week. After having two match points against him in the first round, Nadal, of course, impossibly bounces back to steamroll through the draw. And then, of course, Kyrgios in the final. And Carolina Garcia upsets Halep after being the surprise of the tournament on the women's side. Definitely great tennis all around. Uh, by the way, just a reminder, if you haven't already, go check out the Great Shot podcast. Alex Gruskin, Max Rothman, and Max Fliegner have a real treat for you every Wednesday. So go subscribe and rate their podcast on iTunes if you haven't already. Uh, but for now, this week, we have Notre Dame junior Danny Rail on the pod with us. Danny went to Park Tudor High School in Indianapolis and won the state singles championship both as junior and senior year and actually won the doubles state championship as freshman year but he's gone on to play tennis at Notre Dame and Danny talks about life as a student athlete balancing D1 tennis with school work and a social life and what to expect from the grind of collegiate tennis so up and coming juniors if you have um, you know the curiosity or, or the goal of playing D1 tennis you'll definitely want to check this out so for now enjoy my chat with Danny Rail. Racket Steve is, is very excited to have Indianapolis native, um, Indiana high school champion, a park tutor, and tennis uh, stud at Notre Dame, Danny Rail on. Thanks for coming out, Danny. We appreciate it. Yeah, glad, glad to be here. You know, well, first and foremost, when does the season start in August or is that September? So the fall season is going to kick off like September, October time. Um, I think the biggest thing for our team is we're really excited. Um, and the last season kind of left a bad taste in our mouth. So I think we're all excited to get out there, compete. Uh, we have some fall tournaments. Um, we'll have ITA kickoff in uh, the early part of the season. And after that, I just think we're really looking forward to the spring season, getting the dual matches and kind of having the season that we wish we would have had last year. Yeah. And, and from what I understand, you are a pretty young team, right? Yeah, we're extremely young. Uh, I mean, last year we had two seniors, two juniors, and the rest were underclassmen. Um, so it's the bulk of our team. And, I mean, next year it's similar story. We're going to have two seniors, uh, three true juniors, and then the rest of the guys on the team are going to be underclassmen. And there's 15 of us next year. So we have 10 guys that are freshmen and sophomores. We have a lot of potential there, clearly. 
So next year will be big time. But kind of uh, backtracking a little bit. So you you win state at Park Tudor singles. Walk us through a little bit the recruiting process. Was Notre Dame always on your sights? I know you know you're you're an indie kid. Notre Dame had to have been on on you know in the horizon kind of thing. You knew a lot about Notre Dame, but talk us through the the recruiting process. So truth be told, I didn't know where Notre Dame was located until like my sophomore year of high school. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, looking back, I feel kind of ashamed that I didn't know that. But um, I mean, early on when I was a younger kid, Ohio State was the front runner for me. Uh, my brother did gymnastics there. I'd go there on the weekends. I thought it was the coolest place in the world. Uh, so I was the early front runner from like when I was in middle school. Uh, starting my freshman year, though, I hand wrote. Uh, over 50 letters to college coaches across the country just to get my name out there, uh, get my name on the radar. And then after that, it was just a matter of playing tennis well. And then as soon as we could communicate with coaches, I communicated as much as possible, talked to them, kept them updated on how I was doing. I ended up narrowing it down to Ohio State, Michigan, Northwestern, and then Notre Dame. Uh, Ultimately, it came down to Northwestern and Notre Dame. And I just felt like the fit at Notre Dame was a lot better. Uh, I felt that like sense of community. I came from a small high school, uh, graduating class of just 100 kids. And of all the schools that I visited, I felt that like close-knit community the most at, at Notre Dame. And that was really the differentiating factor for me. It sounds like you had a, a pretty strong relationship with a the coach then, if, you know, reaching out to 50-some-odd schools, um, you know, being in contact. So you already had an established relationship. Did you know any of the guys coming in or the guys that were going to recruit uh, or yeah. decide on Notre Dame as well? Or Yeah, so obviously I had a good relationship with the coaches. I'd been in contact with them. Um, I took multiple visits to every school. I think I ended up taking like five or six visits to Notre Dame, um, somewhere just to go see a match, somewhere to overnight, some for a football game. But uh, ultimately – um, it was the coaches and the guys that were on the team uh, that made the big difference. I really didn't know that many guys on the team when I visited. And the only other person that had committed uh, for my year was Alex Levedev, who I didn't really know either. So I was really trying to buy into the culture and the community there. Um, and I figured everything else would fall into place. And it has so far. And not to mention, you know, Notre Dame has a pretty rich tradition, both academically and, and on the sports side. You were top 50 consistently throughout high school. And, you know, I followed you. You know, you played with Parker, my, my little brother, a little bit as yeah. well, uh, which is crazy. You know, small world. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us a little bit about, um, you know, yourself, how you originally got into the game, uh, the sport of tennis. Yeah, so my mom uh, played tennis um, all through like, college and her adult years. I was actually in the Carmel Racket Club Nursery, just the local town's nursery, when I was six weeks old. So the ladies oh, there wow. have known me, yeah, like literally since I was born. Um, I didn't, didn't pick up my first racket until I was three years old, but I literally like, grew up in a tennis club. Um, <laughs> that place was like a second home to me for pretty much all through middle school and up until the beginning of high school. I didn't even realize they had a nursery in that. You know, I've been to Carmel quite a bit. I didn't know that. Yeah. Okay. It, uh, it especially gets utilized during the days when all the women's clinics come in and oh, all, yeah. the, all the kids are running around. <laughs> so you grew up here, you know, hearing the tennis balls being batted back and forth and just growing up around the sport. So you picked the racket up at three years old. Were, I mean, were you playing clinics and stuff at that point or were you just getting out there? 
That was just uh, neighborhood courts, uh, high school kid teaching uh, a little bit here and there. And then the biggest thing for me was my garage door. Um, I'd take a tennis pole out there and just bang away. And my parents, <laughs> God bless them, they'd put up with the loud banging on a consistent basis every day in the summer. Um, they still give me a hard time because our garage door, the paint chips and bubbles <laughs> up. And they blame it on uh, me hitting the ball against the garage so many times. 100%. Wait, so you were, I mean, you were eat up with it at an early age. I mean, you had a deep passion, it sounds like, out there. Yeah, it was, uh, I, I put a bunch of other sports, but tennis was the only one I did year-round. And then finally, when I got to, like, age 10, I was like, okay, I'm, I'm kind of done with these other sports. <laughs> Focus on tennis. And that's when I really started to commit myself and play competitively. Sounds like you had an interest at an early age, but when, you know, was there a moment where you won a big tournament or, you know, you beat a, a major player and you're like, I'm an elite level tennis player? Yeah, I I think the kind of breakthrough tournament for me um, was back in like the boys' 12s. I, uh, we went up to Midland, Michigan, which is a six hour drive. And if anyone's ever been to Midland, you know that not much is up there other than tennis. So, Played the tournament over there, uh, unseated, ended up getting to the finals, um, beating some top kids in the Midwest. But that was kind of the breakthrough tournament. Uh, my mom and her were just talking about it the other day. She was just, like, remembering all the parents and, like, who's this Danny Rail kid? Like, where's he been? Because at, at that point, I just kind of played local tournaments. I never really traveled um, outside of the central Indiana area and decided to, to try my uh, best against kids from other states. Worked oh, yeah. out pretty well switching gears a little bit, but give us a little insight into the schedule, the conditioning, the diet of a D1 athlete. For me, like personally, starting off with diet, um, I'm allergic to quite a bit of food, so I'm pretty restricted. Um, I don't really do dairy products. I try and limit my like weed intake and I try and eat organic fruits and veggies as much as possible. So once you take out those things, like I have a pretty plain diet, uh, lots of rice and beans, meats, fruits, veggies, um, pretty healthy. And I think that really helps me in terms of staying healthy and keep my body fueled the right way. Uh, so that's been even more so important in college with how long our competition season is. Um, in terms of like conditioning and practice, one of my three major questions for every college that I visited was walk me through a day in the life of a Notre Dame tennis player. And in terms of Notre Dame, there was morning classes, maybe an individual practice, and then have a little break, go to team practice, and then conditioning afterwards. And that's pretty much what the story's been for the past two years for me. Um, we have amazing coaches that are great with individual lessons and run great team practices. Uh, Ryan Satchery, former Notre Dame All-American, Adam Schechterly, outstanding coach, and Greg Andrews, who just graduated a few years ago. But they're doing a great job running practices and making sure that we're in tip-top shape. And we train a lot, but it definitely, definitely pays off. Sounds like time management has to be one of your, your stronger skill sets are 100% necessary. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Without a doubt. There's uh, <laughs> not, not, not too much downtime between 8 a.m. and 8 p.m. Yeah, I'm sure. So juniors is a grind because you're going from tournament to tournament by yourself. In college, it sounds like it's more of a team dynamic. You have coaches around you, conditioning coaches around you, um, just you know, kind of guiding you 
giving you that structure, but is there, it, it, it's a grind, but it's a different mm-hmm. kind of grind. Was there an adjustment in terms of playing with a team? Yeah. I think the biggest thing is just like, I spend all day with the same guys, um, with my teammates and we're training together and in the juniors, it's like, yeah, I want the guys around getting better because ultimately that'll make a better practice partner and help me out. But that's kind of like a selfish mentality. Whereas like in college, it's like, I want my teammates to get better because that's going to create a better team. And like, ultimately we want the best team possible. So it's more of a collective mindset, um, wanting the team to do well as well as individually doing the best you can. So I think that was probably the biggest shift in mindset. Just everything is a we instead of a me activity. Yeah. I mean, you've obviously traveled all over the world with, you know, junior tennis and, and maybe even, you know, all over the country, maybe all over the world. What's your favorite destination to play? Um, maybe not so destination, but just tournament or event. Um, was probably play court nationals, uh, growing up for the 16th and 18th down in Florida. Um, my mom and I would load up the car and make the 18 hour trek down there, uh, play the tournament. And then we'd take our time on the way back and, Stop by the ocean, stop in the mountains, um, really kind of make it like a like a two week experience. Which, looking back, that was one of like my favorite tennis memories, and for sure will be as I get older. Yeah. So switching gears a little bit, what is the weirdest thing that we would find in your tennis bag right now? I don't know about weird, but I have a problem with water bottles. Um, it doesn't. It's not really a problem on a daily basis. It's a nice like reserve, like okay, in case I forgot water, I have some, but. At airports, I get stopped almost every single time. No matter how many times I check my bag for water bottles or anything, I always seem to get stopped, and there's one hiding somewhere. So it may not be weird, but it's definitely uh, definitely a little work about my tennis bag. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, because you, know, you definitely have you know, one of those big, you know, big bags where yeah. you carry six to eight rackets, and there's so many compartments in there, too. Yeah, um, just kind of get lost in the bottom and then buzzes at the airport and you're like, darn it, forgot it again. <laughs> and that one guy like waiting behind at the airport while, while, while the rest of my team's going on. <laughs> oh, yeah. They're like, Danny again, the water bottle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so talk a little more about the team dynamic. Are, are the guys like from all over the country, the world, do you all live in, in a tennis house on campus, off campus? Yeah, so... We come from pretty much all corners of the U.S. We got two kids from Utah. We got two kids from New York. We got a kid from Florida. Got a couple of Midwest kids. Uh, we have a one international player. Uh, he's from Peru. Uh, we love him to death. He's awesome. Um, <laughs> always smiling, which we love. Uh, but in terms of like living together, there's so last year there was 13 of us, and we're kind of split 50-50 on whether we live with teammates or not. Uh, Notre Dame is kind of unique because you stay in the dorms for three years, which is not very typical of a college campus. Uh, we don't have sororities, fraternities, but the dorms are the replacement for that. Um, so like your dorms unisex and most guys been there for three years. So you get to like bond with all the guys and ultimately it feels like a brotherhood that you would get in a fraternity. By chance, a lot of the guys live in a certain dorm, Stanford, and I think there were six of the guys that lived in Stanford last year, and uh, they got a quad, and then the two other guys got a double. But for the rest of us, um, seniors always live together um, off campus, and it's kind of the hub. If 
guys all want to hang out. The seniors' place is almost always open. So okay. we don't really have a house per se, but there's always an apartment where guys can go and hang out and chill if they want to. Um, so, you know, what, what kind of goals are you individually in the team setting? Yeah, um, ultimately for our team, I mean, we want to win NCAA and ACC championships at the end of the day. Um, that's why we play the sport. That's why we came to Notre Dame. We, we want to win as a team. So ultimately those are our goals, but there's a lot leading up to that. So of course we want to be excellent in the fall season. Uh, there might not be as much pressure at stake in the fall season, but we definitely want to get off on the right foot so that we start off dual match season uh, on a good note. So I think the biggest thing, the biggest thing is just, we want to have the best team result possible. And that's NCAA and ACC championships, which, which we all really, really want. Yeah. Who is going to be a pretty strong team coming back? Is there a certain team that had a loaded recruiting class or was relatively young to brought a lot of guys back? Yeah, I mean, the ACC conference is, is loaded. Uh, you got Wake Forest, Carol- North Carolina, uh, Virginia. Um, it's a power conference in tennis, so there's no team that you can really take lightly. I mean, one match that we definitely want to get back next year is, is Louisville. Uh, there's been a long-standing rivalry. We, both teams used to be in the Big East and then came to the ACC, and that's a rivalry that's lasted decades. And uh, we lost them twice last season, and that really left a bitter taste in our mouth. So we definitely want to get back uh, that match for sure. Um, so, you know, switching gears up a little bit, uh, you probably saw this coming a mile away, um, <laughs> the name of the website. What, what's your cracked racket situation? Growing up, I was not the one to really lose my temper too much. I was pretty even keel, um, but my rackets are definitely the, the death by a thousand cuts situation. It's the little <laughs> nicks and the little bumps until eventually they just get so worn down that they break. And then there's a nice little stockpile in a, in a room in my house that I take from. And I always have a broken racket or two in my bag just in case a, a match doesn't go my way. And I'm not quite feeling too happy about it afterwards. So <laughs> I haven't like been that. too many broken rackets uh, during the match. But after the match, there's there's definitely been a couple. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. So piggybacking on that question a little bit, is there an embarrassing moment on the court that stands out to you? I don't know about so much as embarrassing in the moment, but after the fact, I definitely definitely felt embarrassed. Um, back when I was probably 12 or 13, um, playing a kid who ended up being one of my best friends in high school, but uh, being the kind of overdramatic, like 12-year-old kid, I dove for a ball that I had no right diving for, uh, landed on my hand and broke my thumb. Um, that was not only a really like embarrassing and kind of sad thing to explain to my coaches that <laughs> I was going to be out for the next <laughs> couple of months with that, but just anytime anyone asked me what happened to my hand, it was kind of like, eh, I broke it playing tennis, and there's kind of those weird looks. It's like, how how would you possibly do that? Like, that's a non-contact sport, and it's like, uh, <laughs> I, I kind of found a way to do it. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> So we'll move we'll move to the rapid fire segment. This is a uh, a fan favorite for sure. We've gotten you know great responses from this, and and people like to know kind of outside of the tennis spectrum some of your interests. So how it works is we uh, I'll give you you know I'll ask you five to ten questions at a pretty quick pace here, and you'll answer it uh, with one word answers. So here we go. Here we go. Um, who is your favorite tennis player right now? Uh, Fed. If you were forced to give up a stroke in tennis, what would it be? Drop shot. Favorite snack on the court? Flower bars. Favorite drink on the court? 
Uh, fish or feast, Gatorade. Favorite thing to do in your spare time, non-tennis related? Hang out with friends, family. Best tennis court surface? Uh, indoor heart. Uh, most entertaining player on the tour right now? Guillermo Feast. Favorite song right now? I like me better by love. Favorite sports star non-tennis related? Jordan. Finish this sentence. My favorite thing about a fresh can of tennis balls is the smell, for sure. <laughs> Thank you for coming on. The, the Cracked Rackets team was uh, you know, really excited to hear from you here about your tennis journey, the recruiting process, and your, your time so far at Notre Dame, and obviously big things to come. So thank you for your time. Yeah, thanks for having me. Great. Hi, brother. Thanks for listening to my conversation with Danny. Always interesting seeing an inside look at the day-to-day schedule of a D1 tennis player. It's really incredible how they juggle so many different things. Of course, time management is definitely key. But thanks again to Danny for joining us and giving us that perspective. And best of luck to you and the Irish this coming season battling in a tough ACC conference. Next time, we have IU commit Patrick Fletchall. And on the horizon, we have UVA commit Will Woodall, Ohio State freshman John McNally, and ATP pro and former USC player and assistant coach uh, Deaton Bauman. So we've got that on the horizon and, and much more to come, so stay tuned. But as always, we appreciate all of your support here at Cracked Rackets. We couldn't do this without you guys. Go subscribe to the Cracked Interviews pod as well as the Great Shot Podcast. If you haven't already, follow us on Twitter and Instagram and go like the Facebook page. Also, don't forget to rate and review our podcast at iTunes. It's, it's really important for us to continue moving up, so go check that out as well. And we'll see you next time with Patrick Fletchall. Sure.